Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, this is Kindled. I'm your host, Haley, and you're listening to episode 83. Today, I'm going to chat with my friend that I met on, of course, Instagram, Lacey Rabelais. Lacey is a wife and mom living a somewhat simple life in the outskirts of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Today, Lacey and I are going to attempt to tackle the very simple and easy topic of holy homemaking. I hope you can hear the sarcasm in my voice because this is certainly not a simple or an easy topic, and neither of us proclaim ourselves to be experts on it, but we do claim to be women who are seeking to better understand what that calling and role means. Um, And so this is just a really down-to-earth and practical discussion of our own kind of historic misunderstandings of what it means to be a homemaker and how we are discovering in our very different lives and roles and circumstances, how we can do that and honor God in the role that he's entrusted to us as well as all of his children, men and women. So we could clearly, you'll see in the conversation, talk circles around this topic, but I just want to remind you that neither of us feel like we have arrived by any means, and this is just an introduction to kind of considering this topic, and I hope that if nothing else, it prompts you to just explore how this works itself out in your own life. As always, I hope it's helpful and encouraging and uplifting, and ultimately that it points you to the truest and best homemaker that there is. God himself. Okay, now for my conversation with Lacey. Lacey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us who you are and what you do? Um, My name is Lacey Rabelais. I am from Louisiana and I am married to my high school sweetheart. We just celebrated 13 years and I am a stay-at-home mom who writes and takes care of chickens in our little garden farm. So fun. Okay, so what does motherhood look like for you? So tell me about your family. Um, I have five-year-old and three-year-old boys. Motherhood looks like trucks and Legos and dirt. I laugh because I never thought I would really be a boy mom. I think I was in denial. (laughs) But now it's really fun because I don't have to worry about accessories I don't have to worry about bows and shoes. They can literally wear the same thing to church, to the store, like Mm -hmm. just put a collared shirt versus t-shirt on khaki shorts. I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. So that helps life. But um, we like to be outside. That's yeah. Yeah. The The accessories problem is real. I have an entire organizer in my Island in one of the drawers for hair things because we need at all times to have like within reach ponytails, bows, clips, 
detangler a brush because like their hair is a daily battle, you know, just keep it. They both have kind of long curly-ish hair and it's like just keeping that maintained on, you know, children who really can't brush their own hair yet is, it feels like a part-time job sometimes. So yeah. God bless me with taking that that (laughs) burden. Yeah. At least at this point. Right. Right. That's fun. So what does work look like for you? I feel like it's different now, but I am writing and I have a blog and I write and I am currently taking some theology classes Hmm. to just learn and dive in because I'm a nerd. Other than that, then I work at home for just like taking care of my chickens and the farm Mm -hmm. and anything that else needs to be done. That's so fun. So did you guys always know you wanted the farm life? Have you been like in that kind of a setting since you got married or how long have you been doing that? Really? When I say farm, it's pretty small, but I'm like, we live on an acre, Mm -hmm. but I grew up on a farm. Mm -hmm. My parents raised cattle and horses. And then I went to school for, I'm like, I have an ag degree and animal science degree. Original plan was to go to vet school and God shut that door. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. But I was a vet tech for a long time. Okay. Anyway, so we had a smaller house with a small yard in town. And then we got an acre. It's, it's been almost four years. And we started gardening at night after our first son would go to bed, which is really weird. People are like, you garden at night. I'm like, with lights on. And then right. that was like when we started seeds and stuff. And yeah. then it was just like something for my husband and I to do together. Yeah. So fun. kind of took off with me. I just like to do it. It's really calming for me and it's helped my anxiety. It's awesome. I love gardening too. I feel like this has been a hard year for me because I'm pregnant. And so I haven't like this spring when I needed to be weeding and preparing beds and doing all the things, I just really wasn't feeling good. wasn't feeling up to it. And now I'm like really pregnant. And so I actually can't do a lot of the physical labor of, you know, of really just maintaining the garden and bending over. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And like pulling weeds, like my husband's not into that. And so that kind of falls on me and it's been something that I've loved to do, but this year has been like, um, kind of feel like I'm really slacking, but it is what it is. So before we get into the topic, where are you seeing God's grace in your life? In being home with my kids, I need grace and mercy all the time because there's all of the things that I want to do. And that might mean writing or reading a book or the laundry, but kids are kind of demanding. My bosses, they're, they're demanding sometimes, mm-hmm. but just grace whenever things like this new season, my son is going to kindergarten next month. So there's this new season coming and I'm wrestling with he's growing and did I not do enough this summer? Did they watch too much TV and all of those mm-hmm. things? Real life. Real life. So let's talk about the topic we're going to talk about today. (laughs) I know we're both excited about it. It's a huge topic. It's one that we're not going to be able to completely cover in this episode or necessarily even do justice to it fully, but we're going to get the conversation started at least and hopefully provide some fuel for listeners to start having these conversations with others in their local communities and church. But we're going to talk about homemaking and being a homemaker, this concept of being a homemaker. Oh, it's one that just comes with so much baggage, I think, 
no matter where you fall on the spectrum, like we all kind of have an initial feeling when we hear that word, either one of like, okay, good. Yeah, this is great. Or, oh, I hate that. Please don't call me that. Don't say that, you know, don't say that about me. Like it's like a cuss word for some people. So before we launch into this huge topic, I do want to read a definition that I came across as I was like doing my own research, looking up, what does it really mean to be a biblical homemaker? Well, gotquestions.org gave me a really helpful definition. (laughs) And it was just the first thing that came up on Google. So I was like, let's see what it says. But let me read this and um, see if I can do it without laughing. So homemaking is exactly as it sounds. Making a home. A comfortable, clean, well-run home does not happen by itself. Good homemakers consider the state of their homes and families to be their responsibility. A Christian homemaker considers it her highest calling to care for her home and family. So she has chosen to set aside her own dreams and career goals while the children are young. The cabinets are well stocked because she thought ahead and bought on sale. The clothes are washed and pressed regularly. So no one has to fear finding nothing to wear. Meals are planned so that the family can eat together whenever possible. School projects are checked and kids have what they need because she has stayed on top of things. Her husband can focus fully on his job as the sole breadwinner because his wife is taking care of everything else. Homemakers wear many hats, doctor, plumber, chef, chauffeur, teacher, carpenter, repairman, painter, counselor, maid, and researcher. Christian homemaking often includes spiritual advisor and even homeschool teacher. Oh man. I mean, I don't know anybody that could read that and walk away feeling like they're winning. (laughs) I think I I I rolled my eyes about 12 times. It's just like, but that's the, that is what we're kind of like fed, you know, like that, that's kind of what it is. And so you either love it and you accept it and you abide by it and you fall in line or you reject it entirely wholesale rejection of everything. You know, the crazy thing is that is what they're calling a biblical homemaking. Oh yeah. And And there's like scripture references. Which is hard because that just means that the woman does everything. It just, she has no other purpose, but to just serve her children. She doesn't serve outside of the home. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, I don't think she goes to church. Mm-hmm. Um, no, because she she's got to be ironing. She's got to yeah, She ironing. doesn't have community or anything like this. And her groceries are all on sale. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Make sure you get that coupon book ready. Yes. I don't know where they got this. I hope they referenced Proverbs 31 in there. Oh, they did. Oh yeah. There's some Proverbs 31. There's some Titus. There's some, yeah, there's some of other, course, that's the only, I don't want to like, I don't want to disparage the word of God by even like attaching it to that because it's just such yeah. a ridiculous, like misappropriation of, of everything. It's just randomly. It's really just, this is why you can't trust what you see on the internet. Cause it's really just somebody's opinion <laughs> referenced with cherry picking Bible verses and going a like, woman, Oh yeah, this works for this. Let me plug that in here. A woman did not write that. And I'm guessing it was <laughs> probably a white man over 50 that wrote yeah. it. That's my a guess. Woman did not write that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Granted, yeah, she could so- play all of those roles, but not well. And mm-hmm. yeah. And anybody, I'm sorry, like maybe some women have the skill, but anyone who tells me that my, one of my hats is supposed to be the plumber, like, I'm sorry, I know zero. I can't even reset the toilet if it's running. And so I'm sorry, but that's a role for my husband. Don't tell me I'm supposed to be the plumber or the repairman because I can't even assemble Ikea furniture. Oh, that's another level. Ikea is another level. No. So it's just like, I mean, I hope that everyone listening hears like the the humor in this. Like if this is what you have thought homemaking is, 
like you can just go ahead and, you know, throw that into the garbage because that's just trash. It's crap. It's, it's junk that it, that culture has produced over, you know, years and years. And that, I mean, yes, that, that is kind of like what we can think of when we hear the word homemaking, but it doesn't mean that that's the right understanding of our role as women in the home. That's not at all a biblical or a biblically based idea of our role as women, because it's actually a diminishing of, of what God has called us to. And it's making it so small that the most important thing you can do is make sure your kids got their homework done, which not diminishing that. Like that is of course an important role for a family, you know, with kids in school, like help your children succeed. But that's, it's like a minimization of like the, the best you can do is kind of these things, you know, buy your food on sale. Yeah. That answer is our description of homemaking is also a diminishing of the whole word of God because there's constantly descriptions of women and that's, of them being brave or making mistakes mm. or doing work. That's not, that's not what that was. Yeah. And to say that that's what biblical or, you know, homemaking is would diminish all of those things that those women did. Or yeah, what the- about Hannah serving in the temple? What about Lydia uh, conducting business? Yes. Proverbs 31 talks about a woman uh, observes a field and purchases it. Like, Yes. Say she she went to her husband to see if it was okay and asked him to buy it. It's like we can conduct commerce because we have brains and minds that God gave us to. And if we see something that's in the best interest of our family, we can do that. And I'm not like advocating like, you know, you don't need your husband's approval. I'm just like saying that yeah. it's like that's completely I hope people see and go, okay, yeah. If I thought that that's what homemaking was, I can just go ahead and reject that and then allow scripture to truly inform what my role as a wife or a mother or a woman is. Yes, definitely. Cause that's just garbage. That yeah. description, what the Bible says, what God has is way better for us. Yeah. What, what is the problem with this whole issue of being a homemaker? What, why are we even talking about this? What is the problem that we need to break down? The first problem is that we all assume that we know what homemaking is, but we don't really look at the definition. And the definition of homemaking is creating and managing a home that's a pleasant place to live. And that would be, I think everyone does that. I believe that my kids do are part of this, my husband and I. But the world tells us that we need to be Susie Homemaker and Martha Stewart. Right. And nobody wants to be Susie Homemaker. I mean, it's a story, but like, yeah, I don't really want to go to prison for under the table trading, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll hang out with Snoop Dogg for a minute though. That might be kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So So, so problem number one is the definition. Like we don't actually even know what the definition is. We just kind of all have this concept in our brain of like, oh, this is what you mean by that. When you say homemaker, that means like, and you know, for me personally, I think what I've traditionally understood it to mean is someone that does not work outside the home, stays home full time, does not earn an income, you know, is basically wife, mom, chef, cook, cleaner, like all the traditional understanding of this term and this, this, you know, vocabulary term, which is really, we've got to take the vocabulary back from culture and say, no, here's how we understand this term. And and really it doesn't matter so much what you want to call it. It matters how we understand our role as women though. You know, you can call it whatever you want. If you want to call it something else, that's fine. 
but what's important here is that we as women understand our unique makeup, gifting, calling abilities as women and what that means in light of the kingdom and like our, our role in the bigger picture, not just in our home, but in this bigger scope. You just gave us the definition. Say it one more time, what it actually means to be a homemaker. Homemaking is creating and managing a home and making it in which it's a pleasant place to live. Okay. So that, I mean, everybody. Anyone want. who doesn't want to have a pleasant place to live, first off, <laughs> I don't know anyone. That would be a goal for everyone in the world that their home I is think so. pleasant. Yeah. It's why people love watching Chip and Joanna. I mean, yeah. They make- beautiful homes. They make pleasant places to live. It's why Target exists and is so popular and why their decorating section is directly behind where the women's clothes are because it's just like, it's an obvious beeline. You hit the purses and the shoes and then you go back to the decor, right? Yeah. (laughs) And you don't even have to have all that for your home to even be pleasant. But we think that that's one of those things. And Hey, Chip is part of this homemaking. Like he is working with Joanna. It's not just her. Yeah. Yeah. That's been like, I think one of the most interesting things for me in, in researching this topic is thinking about like, why do we ascribe the role of homemaking only to women when really this is, this is like, uh, this is something that all of us contribute to. You said it yourself, your kids are part of making the home. They have responsibility. They have a burden to carry, you know, whether it's picking up their shoes instead of dropping them by the front door or bringing their plates to the sink. You know, these are things we're working on with like three and five-year-olds, basic things. And then your husband's role is to earn an income outside of the home. And maybe if you are a working mom, you also bear some of the burden to earn an income outside of the home or in the home or Perhaps you don't earn an income. And so your role in homemaking is different. But just this idea that like, we're actually all always homemaking, you know, whether or not we even mean to or call it that it's happening, right? Because we are humans and we live somewhere and we sleep somewhere. Even if you're homeless, you're homemaking, you're making a home in the woods. Yes. Like (laughs) I tell my, yeah, but I tell my kids all the time, like you're, attitude like our attitude the volume of which my children scream like that doesn't when your kids are screaming Mm -hmm. that's not making your home pleasant we Mm -hmm. we all know that children screaming isn't pleasant I don't want to hear that (laughs) yes so you would learn behaviors and all of these things it's all part of homemaking it's not just the 1950s stepford housewife which is our vision Yes, that's what we all, if somebody, I guess like five years ago, if somebody said, are you a homemaker? I'd have been like, oh no, no, that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is what I do. It's also what my husband does mm-hmm. when he comes home from work and while he's at work. You had a good point in our preparation before starting to record about the first homemaker. Do you want to talk some about that? So Genesis 1 says that God... Um, you know, created the world. And the first home was the Garden of Eden. He created it, it, you know, from what I believe, it was pretty pleasant. And that was the, yes, that was the first home. He created it, he maintained it, and then, you know, sin came in. But who wouldn't want to be called something that God was called? So if he is the first homemaker, I would love to be more godly. I should be more godly every day. I should be more holy. 
or at least trying to be. Mm-hmm. So it's not this horrible connotation to be called a homemaker because God did it first. Right. And the problem sets in, I think, for us when this idea of being a homemaker like stops at our actual physical home, like stops like here in this in on this side of eternity, because this is not our forever home, actually. Like this world is actually not our home. It says that we are passing through, we are travelers, we are, you know, we are on our way to the eternal city. And so like this being your home, it matters and it does matter here how you live and how you how you raise your family and how you glorify God in whatever you are doing, but it is not the ultimate. And so I think we run into problems when it becomes the ultimate. And then there can be this idolization of homemaking, this idol, this like idolatry around the home. I mean, we all have probably fallen into that at times with like surfing Pinterest and making your board. And here's what my idea oh, yeah. looks like. I mean, I'm doing this right now with my bathroom remodel and constantly have to bring myself back from like, okay, no, I'm not trying to have this perfect model home. I'm just trying to make our bathroom not have mold in it. You know, like that's the goal here. Like have a non moldy shower that we can live in for, you know, the next 10 years. Yes. Um, That would be like a health thing. mm -hmm, our Our homes are obviously blessings. God has given us capabilities to have the homes we have, like your job and providing, you provide your home they're all blessings and we still have to steward them. Well, I don't think God wants us to not take care of our home and keep it nice. And that's different levels for different people. My description of nice is not necessarily what other people like. I'm pretty simple. Other people might like more elaborate things and that's fine. As long as we are stewarding the gift well and using that to bring glory to God in light of our forever home. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, you said five years ago, you struggle with this term. You didn't like the term homemaking. No, no. I can remember being a kid and hearing people say like, my mom has had all kinds of jobs. Like she is amazing, but for the most part, she was a homemaker and that's what she does. And I remember somebody saying, Oh, your mom is just a homemaker. And it was kind of insulting, but I think that she is the most amazing homemaker. She can fold a fitted sheet better than Martha, Mm -hmm. but she is a servant. Like her heart is to serve others. She uses her home to serve others constantly. And I want to be more like her. I want to steward my home. If I steward it half as good as she does, then I think that I'm going to be using this gift for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So, but it took me, I mean, like Nate's five, this was when I started staying home as a mom that it was weird because that's not what the world is telling me I should do. I should be, you know, breaking molds and glass ceilings and success and all of these things that I wasn't going to do staying home. Right. It was, I had to like research what it meant and struggle through that I wasn't just a homemaker because Mm -hmm. the just is the part that sounds so bad. No, I am a homemaker and I would love to follow in the footsteps of my mom and being an amazing homemaker. And I would love to be holier every day that I try to do it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's so much, so much baggage, like I said at the beginning with this term. And, and it's one that I, you know, also have not really had an affinity for. Like I wouldn't want to be like historically in my life, I wouldn't want to be called a homemaker. I would, I would feel like that's a degradation. That's kind of an insult or kind of minimizing me. And well, I'm, I'm doing way more than just that. Like I'm not just anything, you know, I'm way more than that. And that's the the funny thing, though, is that that is true. And God never said, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that all you are meant to do as a woman or or a wife or as a godly woman is to stay home and make sure that your family's clothes are washed and freshly ironed and meals are on the table every day at 530. Like that's, that would be an actual, like, that's an insult to the calling that God has given us as women, because I believe our role is integral and massively important for the kingdom. We don't have to make a decision here about who's in and who's out. Well, you know, the full-time working mom doesn't qualify as a homemaker. No, actually like we're all homemakers because we all have homes and we're all called to be making a place for our families and ourselves to thrive for the purpose of glorifying God because it's his kingdom, not ours. When it becomes our kingdom is when we run into problems. And now it's like, well, my kingdom would flourish if I didn't have kids. And now I despise my husband and my family because they're stopping me from pursuing my career advancement. Or my kingdom is my children and my family. And I idolize them and I lift them up on this pedestal and I unrightfully give them the glory and make them the defining standard of whether I'm successful or not. Well, that's equally wrong. It's equally sinful, you know, to fall to either side, either ditch is really to, to completely rob our, what God has actually asked us to do, which is this much bigger mission and purpose, which can be accomplished regardless of where you work, regardless of how many hours a week you work, regardless of whether you have children or not, regardless of whether you're even married or not. Like those things are just like, those are circumstantial beautiful blessings when you have them, but they're not like, they're not essential to our calling as believers. Yes. Like if you don't have kids and you are a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, you could still go and make disciples. It's probably harder because I, it's easier for me to make disciples with two children. Like they're here, but the call is still the same. And we're supposed to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So whether that's taking care of other people, working in your office, answering the phone with a not an attitude, I think mm-hmm. all of that is in the end, we're all trying to make the kingdom of God a pleasant place to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while it may be harder in the sense like, okay, you don't have a child who is, you know, actually required to listen to you and obey you and follow in your footsteps. I don't think it's a, a lower fulfillment of the calling if you are living that out in your workplace, any in whatever oh. way or capacity you can, you know. Oh yes. And while definitely. there's limitations, like if you work in a public school, you probably have to be careful about how you share your faith and how you engage with people and what you're allowed to say and what you aren't allowed to say, or in any workplace, really. You know, there's there's obviously protocols here, and you can't just, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, I'm not saying you have to shove the gospel down anyone's yeah. throat, but you can still be the hands of feet of people. I mean, hands and feet of Jesus, not people. Yes. By how you just, how you are a light in whatever place you're in. So the calling is still there. And the goal is, I mean, Louisiana is my home. I hope that everyone that lives here is trying to make it better. America. Hello. We all need to be working on trying to make this place a little more pleasant. 
the world, the kingdom, like all of these are homes. We should make them a little more pleasant. That means we're all homemakers. Yeah. Derogatory. Right. It's not, it doesn't have to be derogatory if we understand it in light of God's design. It becomes derogatory when we accept what the world tells us will make us happy, right? Yeah. Because it's either kind of pursue your own dreams, you do you, you don't let anybody stand in your way, don't settle, don't let anything get in your way, don't sacrifice your dreams for anyone. Real quick, as we are talking about homemaking and what it means to make your home a pleasant place to live, I think one of the most influential things we do to make our homes pleasant places to live is feeding our people, <laughs> literally just providing some sort sort of nourishment and nutrition to them, right? Because we all have to eat. And it feels sometimes like the biggest burden because everybody has to eat all the time. It feels like everyone is always eating. And the company that helps simplify this for me is Prep Dish. And what Prep Dish is, is basically a meal planning service where every Friday you get an email with a grocery list and prep ahead instructions so that all of your meals are ready for the following week. You can take some of the decision making off of your own plate, feel good about what you're feeding your family, and eat healthy and tasty meals that are real foods only. Prep Dish is awesome for families that have gluten-free, paleo, or keto requirements. My family doesn't have any of that, but I usually choose the paleo option, and if my husband or kids want to add a carb to it, you know, toast or a roll or whatever, there's always some way to add carbs to that, Um, then they can do that and I can help them do that. But it just provides the foundation for what we eat every week. And it's really fun to get and try new recipes and be inspired. And if you have a crazy schedule like me, this is such a time saver. You can visit prepdish.com slash kindled where the founder Allison is offering you a two week free trial. You have nothing to lose. Go check it out. Prepdish.com slash kindled. Okay. Back to my conversation with Lacey. Whereas really the call of the kingdom is upside down. And it's like, if you want to find your life, you will lose it. And it's a call to lay down and submit your life and give up your life just as Christ did for the church. And that is how we find fulfillment. But the call of the world is no, if you pursue your dreams and you, you know, whatever that is, whether that is family or whether that is career, we always find ourselves kind of forcing this binary options, like as though that's the only two things you can do. That's kind of where we find ourselves as women today in culture kind of offered these two options. Like you're either going to pursue a career or you're going to pursue a husband, you know, being a wife and a mom. And, you know, if you pursue career, you're going to lose out on that and feel like your life doesn't have meaning. And if you pursue a family, then you're going to kind of waste yourself on your family and your skills and passions get you know, by the wayside and people ask you, well, why did you go to college? Oh, oh yeah. Maybe someday you'll be back in the workforce. You know, maybe someday you'll work again. Right. Like, yes, I've heard that plenty of hear. times. This is, this is the normal conditioning. This is what we are told at, in all of it's everywhere. All of the, the little like catchy phrases you do, you don't lose yourself. Like I have heard people tell moms that like, don't lose yes. yourself. And people could probably say that like in your career, don't lose yourself in your career. No, how about die to self and just live like Jesus? And you're going to grow. Everyone grows and changes. Like you're going to lose. Hopefully, whenever you're 30, you lost part of your immaturity and you're not like you were before. My kids have changed me. Being married has changed me. Mm -hmm. I 
I don't need to hold on to what was before. Yeah. It's not all about you do you don't lose yourself, do this, do that. There's all of these things constantly thrown. And sometimes it's, it's not really supposed to be hurtful and harmful, but if that's all you hear and self-help motivation, all these things, then it's easy to kind of be like, womp, womp. My life is just whatever. Right. And that, I think like the don't lose yourself is, you know, it's maybe well-intentioned, but I think it is fundamentally lacking understanding of what makes us ourselves and who are, what our identity is rooted in, in the first place. And so that's like, that's an identity question. If your identity is in your work, and you lose your work, like you have lost yourself. If your identity is in your children and you lose a child, you have lost yourself. And so the challenge as believers is not to place our identity in things that cannot bear the weight of it, whether that is our career or our work or our children's nap schedule or our children's health or our, our marriage's health. Like that is, that's an identity issue. And so we need to call it what it is and say like, actually, I need to have my identity rooted in something way more secure than any of these things that can pass away at any point. And when I do that, I'm actually free to come alive as who God truly made me to be. And I'm free to live into the gifts that he's given me because now I'm not a slave to them. So I can pursue a job with this skill set of, let's say I'm a nurse and I really love taking care of people and I just feel gifted in this way. I can pursue that freely without becoming a slave to it because it's not where my identity lies. Or if I want to stay home with my children, because that's the, the the place I'm at, the circumstance I'm in, and I want to homeschool them, I'm free to pursue that. And I also don't have to be a slave to my success or failure of homeschooling my kids because my identity isn't there. I'm not making that the cross I'm going to die on. You know, it's like, that's, yes. I think that we just get caught up in kind of what, whatever you do, that's what makes you right before God. And that's just fundamentally, we have a, an identity problem there. If that's the battle that we're fighting. Yeah. I mean, scripture tells us don't store your treasures here mm-hmm. and that would, your identity and putting in all that, that would just be a treasure, which could easily be taken in the blink of an eye. We see it all. We see it all the time. And we've, yeah. we've been witness to what it, I mean, everybody has seen someone that a loss has just completely, you know, ruined who they thought they were. Right. Yeah. I mean, I even experienced that on a smaller scale when I sold a business last summer and I realized, you know, when I started considering doing it, that I had to kind of remap some of my identity because it it had gotten twisted and kind of contorted up and wrapped into this business that I ran. And it, and it, part of my identity had become wrapped up in my work. And so I found myself asking like, well, who am I without this job? Am I not myself? Am I, if I'm not the bridal accessories girl, am I like, am I less, you know, or, and, and obviously I came to the conclusion like, no, but I, that was something that had really become kind of entwined and it happens so easily, you know, with things that we love and, and even good things. Like it wasn't a bad thing. It doesn't mean that that job or that pursuit was wrong or sinful, but if I make it ultimate or if I make it part of my identity, then it is. And that goes for both our professional work and our families. You know? Yeah, I think that's when I started to strut like because I was staying home instead of working. I had been working since I was 15, 16. And then I began staying home and it was it was weird mm. to be not going to work just the mom and hearing those things of, 
oh, you went to school. I can remember apologizing to my parents and asking, mm. like, are you upset that I'm not using my degree that you paid for? And my parents were like, are you crazy? Like, no, it was it was an investment into your education and future. Mm-hmm. But they weren't like, well, you better, you know, mm-hmm. have kids and get yourself in line. I mean, my parents probably like, just have more. You could just keep having more. They love grandkids. But it was hard to transition. Mm-hmm. Now I like it. And it works. It's what works for our family. And it mm-hmm. gives me opportunities for other things like building the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So let's talk for a second about for the woman who is not, you know, a full-time stay-at-home mom who's listening to this and is like on her way to work or, you know, or feels the pull or the tug or sometimes the mom guilt of pursuing the path that she is on and living fully into the circumstances that she's been given. What would you say to encourage her in her role in her God-given role of being a homemaker? That I think that if her calling is to work, whatever her work looks like, I think that she should obey God and do what he's called her to do. If that's teaching, being a nurse, a doctor, a brain surgeon, an assistant, like whatever it is, she's contributing to her home. She's contributing to making her life a more pleasant place to live, like the home. And I know that mom guilt gets us all, no matter what we're doing. Mom mm-hmm. guilt is there, but that's a lie. We're, we're supposed to be free with, from God. We are free in him, not having to be slaves to what the world tells us that there is this struggle and we should be guilty. And obviously there is, it's just our nature to want to be two places at one and want to do all of the things, but we can't do it in God's capacity is if we can depend on him, then we can do all that we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that working moms, if you work outside the home, if you're driving to work right now, I think that that's amazing. And the calling is, it's got to be hard. And if you're doing that and obeying the Lord, that's just part of the plan. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that people, a friend of mine not long ago, she was like, I feel guilty because I hired someone to come and clean my house. And she was like, and I'm not doing it. And I think that we had the, like the homemaking decision. I was like, so you took it upon yourself to make sure that it was taken care of. Mm. Like, so yes, just because you outsourced it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you failed. It means that you got it done and made sure that your home was taken care of. Like that's part of working smarter, mm-hmm. not harder. I mean, to be real and yeah. you help someone else too. Right. I, I just and, and it's okay. Like, I just think we need to remember that we have freedom in Christ. Like it's okay yes. for that one example of cleaning. Yes. No, Your family that's may be in a spot where financially you cannot afford to have a home cleaner. It's not, it doesn't make sense for you that $90 a month needs to go to food or to your mortgage. And in that case, you serving and dying to self and laying down your life for your family looks like cleaning the toilets and you actually have to be the one to do it. Okay. Now in another scenario where you are a working mom outside the home and say you have the financial flexibility and the room 
to afford a home cleaner and, and someone to actually come and do that maybe once or twice a month. That might be for you an investment in more time with your family so that you don't have to spend Saturdays or whatever day you or the evenings when you get home feeling stressed, irritable, and frustrated that you're living in a pit because you can't be there and you don't have time to do all the things. And, you know, I could easily see myself getting into that like tizzy of kind of like, I can't handle my life. I have to do everything and be everything to everyone. And I just can't handle it. And in that case, it might look like me sacrificing my shopping budget to invest in getting my house clean. So I don't have to be, you know, so I don't have to be spread as thin and I can be there for my kids in a way that otherwise I would be like, I'm sorry, I just have to do this, you know? And so I think it's just like, there's freedom regardless of what exactly it looks like and how that plays out. For you to, with discernment and with your husband and with your family and, you know, with God, decide what that looks like for you. And then stop looking at what other people are doing and stop looking to the right and the left for either affirmation or criticism from the girl next door about, well, is this okay? Like, well, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing? I mean, that's where we run into problems. It's like, I don't actually think anybody cares I don't think maybe a few people do. I don't think most of us care how your house gets clean because frankly, I'm way too worried about my own. Like I do not care how you clean your house, whether you do it, whether you make your kids do it, whether your husband does it, whether you hire someone, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I do not care. I know people that are like, I have had friends that are like, listen, your house is cleaner than mine. But I've had to be like, y'all, my house is cleaner because this is how my anxiety manifests. Mm -hmm. I have like, not everything, but they have some OCD tendencies that comes out when I'm stressed mm-hmm. or mad or whatever. And I scrub things like who hasn't had like an angry cleaning. Yes. Oh my gosh. That used to be something all the time. Not as much now, but like my husband and I, all of our fights would involve cleaning, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it might I mean, be like, Hey, if you see a really clean house, that couple might, their marriage might be on the rocks. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm so joking, I, but, that's, yeah. but, but yeah. I literally would be like, it was like a distraction from actually focusing on the conversation. So I'd just keep cleaning the kitchen and he'd be like, can you stop and look at me? And be like, no, I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) My husband has said like, he's like, one time I was like, I really need to clean this or whatever. And he's like, you want me to make you mad? So, and I'm like, no, please don't. But he knew that if I was frustrated that I would just be like, I'm going to go do the dishes and like throw forks in the drawer, but Mm -hmm. whatever. But I think that doors and, Yes. But I think that's, first of all, part of the lie that homemaking is just about cleaning and organizing. Like that's, that's not it. It might sometimes homemaking is cutting your grass or sitting on the floor with your kids reading a book. Like what is making your home a more pleasant place? And it might be going to work. It might be running an errand, getting groceries, all of these things. It's about your home. It's not just about this, I know that it's whenever I used to think about it, I used to think that it was about making sure that when James got home, that I needed to like look halfway decent, which I never did. I always look like I like went through a car wash or something like Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a long day, but there's this lie or maybe it was the truth for people, the women of 1950, that your children were seen and not heard. And you took your apron off and had your heels on and adjusted your lipstick before your husband got home. Like, Mm -hmm. thank God we're not there anymore. Like we Mm -hmm. can vote and go to school and all of these things, but there's still, we're still uniquely made and God made us to be a helper. 
Mm-hmm. And women are just created more in a caretaking manner. Not that men can't be, mm-hmm. but women, I mean, we can grow and birth children and nourish them and all these things with our body. Like we're just made differently. And I think that it we should embrace that difference because there's beauty in it and there's truth. And God created us to be more nurturing. Not that I'm, I don't want to say that men can't be nurturing because obviously they are and they're important and all of these things. But I, in, I try to say that I'm the soft place for my kids to land. Mm-hmm. And my husband would be more stern and like show my children especially because they're boys, like the rules and discipline, he's going to be harder on them. But I'm, it's my job to keep them soft, to keep their hearts moldable and that kind of thing. Yeah. And like with the disciplinarian thing, I think you might find some women who are like, no, I'm actually the more stern one. And that's fine. Like within the roles, oh, yes. of marriage, you know, and sometimes I feel like I'm the hard, the harder one. And my husband is the more patient one. Cause he gets home and he's like, has a full tank and I'm on E, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, there's like ebbs and flow, right. obvious. I hear what you're and saying though. Like different yeah. things. you bring different things. You bring a different perspective to the raising of those boys than your husband does. And that's as it should be. I, I wanted to say too, um, a book that you and I both started reading today because of our research in this, in this whole conversation was Eve in Exile by Rebecca Merkel. And that has been really helpful for me in understanding, like even just historically, how some of the things that we hear today in culture around feminism and what the role of women is and how, like you were saying earlier, like we deserve to have all the same things as men and have all the same opportunities and, and, and our lives actually should look the same. We should actually just be the same as men. Just where that comes from historically in shooks about like first wave feminism, second wave, and that's a whole nother topic, but it's been helpful for me in like kind of seeing the truth of how God designed us. And she said something that really is, I, I'm just going to need to like rewind and listen to this a million times. But she says, true freedom lies in the opportunity to pursue excellence. And that opportunity is dependent on the boundaries that define and restrict the entire field of endeavor. So true freedom has to recognize boundaries. We were talking about that earlier. Like there's this lie that is totally from all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that if you just didn't have boundaries, you would be free. But yeah, there's this lie that like that if we could just get rid of the boundaries, if we could just stop being women, if we could just, you know, be more like men, if we could only do more, achieve more, earn more, whatever, that that would be true freedom. And yet that's just the same lie repackaged that Eve, you know, heard the serpent yeah. say in the garden. So I, I really love, you know, I know that's like a little bit of a, a, a drop in of a much bigger topic than we're going to cover today, but it is, it's been really helpful. Yes, it's Yes, I would agree. But the boundary thing, it's not even like, yeah, we just need them to disappear and that would make us yeah. equal or the same when we're not created equal. We're created to be a helpmate. And I think that that's one of those words that people helpmate, submission, all of those things that just makes in, women. Yeah. I would say like, just to further define that we're created equal in value and worth, yes. but different in role. And so yes. 
and different in purpose and, and in how God has actually purposed us to make. And that would be individually too. Right. Yeah. Like you and I are both women, but we are still created. Very different. Equal, but different. Right. And that would be all of, yes. Mm -hmm. And, and Ali Stuckey talks about this a lot. Like equality has been made to be synonymous with homogeny. So it's not equal unless you are the exact same. And that's just also, it's just a lie. And it's, it's minimizing, you know, what it, what it, the lie is that, you know, there's more for you on the other side of those boundaries, but it is actually way less than what God has offered and what God has called us to as women. You know, it's way less. It's, it's a diminishing of our role, diminishing of the unique gifts that he's given us that is being offered on the other side of the fence. And so, you know, to see it as such, I think does bring freedom and does bring relief because you're like, oh, actually, if I pursue what you tell me will make me happy, I'll be just as empty at the end of the day as if I pursue, you know, my home as my idol, you know, and and thinking that I've got to be this perfect version of Martha Stewart, which is just not, not going to happen. You know, Martha Stewart's not even perfect, but I think that a lot of <laughs> the perfect version yeah. of Martha. Oh yeah, a lot of these like redefining things are not even necessarily um, defining. It's just people leave ignoring scripture, which I could get on a whole soapbox about that. Which we're not going to be able to know <laughs> what the lie is if we don't know what the truth is. So if you don't know what scripture says, then you're just going to be like your head in the sand and be like, Oh sure. God says that we're all created equal. Well, we'll create it equal, but we still have different roles and we can't be, I, I feel like some people don't necessarily comprehend the whole aspect of body of the church. Mm-hmm. If you think about the body, I mean, you might have two hands. They're still not alike. They are created equal, but, you don't, not everybody's ambidextrous. And some people, we have to be the hands and feet. Some people have to be, there needs to be some, you know, skin, mm-hmm. organs, all of these things. So if we don't play our part, then we are ignoring the whole body the creation. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it becomes, it's individualistic, which is the society we live in as it says, like, you do you. Okay, hands. You don't want to be hands. You want to be feet? Do it. Yeah. Right. Like, like, just that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's just individualism. It's just hedonism. It's American hedonism, really. And it's like the, the wreckage of the West and, and our, yes. you know, preaching that message of like, kind of like you can have it all, be it all, do it all. Well, that just ends in, you know, the entire universe spinning on its axis around me. And I'm sorry, but I wasn't made to carry that kind of pressure and that kind of weight. I wasn't made to bear that burden. That's, and that's all of these lies are putting it all on us saying that you have to be the homemaker or you have to work and be able to scrub your toilets, organize your refrigerator, meal plan, grocery plan, all of these things. And you have to do it perfectly because you can do it. You can do everything and you can do anything you put your mind to or Beyonce has the same amount of hours as a day. Like I know she has help. Right. Okay. Exactly. No, that's actually based. That's a lie. That's based on a premise that is untrue. Beyonce yes. has an entire entourage of people yeah. paying good money to show up for her every day. Like her man hours versus my man hours are not the same. Also, let's be real. I don't want to be Beyonce. I that's, I'm sorry, True. but find a better idol. because <laughs> it's, not, it's not working for me. I have no desire. I'm sorry. I'm not, I must be the only white girl who does not worship Beyonce. No, I don't. But I like, I always say like, oh, really? When's the last time Beyonce walked to her mailbox? 
Right. Like that doesn't really take that long, but yeah, I bet she doesn't do it. So I would say like just our encouragement to the woman who is in that, like that place of being a working mom, or even to the woman who is feeling like she's boxed in by being a stay-at-home mom and wishes she could get out or wishes she could be anywhere else. Or maybe she is longing to have meaningful work outside of the home and she feels unfulfilled by it. I would say love Jesus well in whatever circumstance God has placed you. And that will bring honor to God in your family. Like loving Jesus well, like, have you heard the, you want to be a better parent, love God better. Like that's be a better wife, mom, everything. Right. Like if you want to be a good homemaker, love Jesus well, like that's it. Obey, (laughs) obey God and follow him. And that like, that applies to all of us. And so whether that means like, if you're in a season where you are a single mom, and I got this question from someone who is in a season of being separated from her husband and, uh, and, and really functioning as a single parent. And she was like, I feel like I'm failing as a homemaker. I can't do all of the traditional things. I don't have energy or time for all the things that I thought came along with being a homemaker. Like maybe that's making cookies or I don't even know like what that is for her specifically, but she felt like she was failing And I was like, no, like failure is just giving up and stopping altogether. Like if you are in the battle and you're struggling and you're fighting for your family and you're waking up and making your kids breakfast, whether that's frozen Eggo waffles or a gourmet, like hot breakfast every day, like you are in, you are in the game and you are, you are competing and and you can honor God in that. You get up every day and feed your kids. It doesn't matter what it is. You're caring for them. Mm-hmm. then you're rocking it. If you put God first and worry about that, then that's all you have to do. Everything else comes from his capacity. Right. Right. And if he's called you to do it, he will equip you for it, you know? And so if you're not equipped for doing that thing that you thought was part of homemaking, and maybe that's making chocolate chip cookies every Friday when your homes get home, when your kids get home from school and you just want to be this amazing, like, if you're not equipped for that, then maybe he didn't call you to that. And maybe you're inserting a definition of homemaking that doesn't belong there. Maybe you are yeah. kind of crafting your own version and trying to like earn your righteousness, you know? Yeah. And if you, if that's like something you want for your home, then maybe just go to the store or add that to your grocery list for like a dollar cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we could probably talk about this forever. <laughs> Finally, last thing. Do you have any like scripture references that you go to for help with this? Oh, I, so a long time ago when I was digging through this, I went through the Proverbs 31, like the whole scripture. And I set up a description, just probably like one or two words for each of the verses, like 11 through 31 or whatever it is. And of what those actually mean. And some of them are like, she's diligent. She's purposeful. She's prepared, compassionate, physically capable. And I think that looking at it in like putting those words on it made it seem like, yeah, I can definitely, she's resourceful and responsible. Like, yes, that would be, maybe that's, you know, just using what you have, but being responsible, stewarding your gifts well. And I think that's, scripture tells us that constantly. And I think that that's what I continue to return to is that I'm not supposed to store the treasure of my family and my home here. That's not my treasure. I should store it in heaven and trust in God. 
Mm-hmm. And that I have to be the hands and feet of Jesus and do the work. So I'm supposed to go and tell, I'm going to make disciples. And if that's in my home, with my family, and hopefully there's a ripple effect, and then they can go and do that. Yeah. Or who we invite into our home, because I want them to be comfortable and that kind of stuff in our home also. Yeah. And you said this earlier, you know, not only am I to steward my resources in my home and that environment, well, I'm to steward my gifts and the skills that God has given me. Like we are, we are just as much, we are just as responsible for stewarding those things as we are the blessing of a home, if we have one or the the gift of children, if we have them or of a, a husband and a marriage, if we have it. And so just not to diminish any one side in favor of the other and say that in order to value one, you have to reject the other. Like that's just garbage. Don't buy that. No. Yes. Stuart, whatever. If it's a job outside the home, in the home, whatever. If you, God gave you a talent for knitting, like that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Knit knit your little heart away. Like if you're, yeah. (laughs) Like if you're creative and you're serving the kingdom that way, whatever it is, but steward those gifts well. Yeah. I think we covered it. I think we, we solved it, solved the problem. Thank you so much, Lacey. Where do people connect with you and find you? And we'll make sure I would love to put your the words that you came up with for that Proverbs 31 passage in the show notes um, so people can check that out if they want. But where do people find you? On Instagram, I'm Lace Rab and well, everywhere I'm Lace Rab, except on my website is LaceyRabelais.com and there's all kind of stuff there. Okay. Awesome. I'll link it in the show notes. Thank you, Lacey, for being here today. Thank you. You guys, I hope that conversation was encouraging for you. And I I hope that you will continue to kind of search the scriptures and talk with your friends or mentors or an older woman about what this means. It's something that I will be doing myself, especially as I'm about to welcome our third daughter into our family and already am starting to feel a little bit of that anxiety of how is my life going to change and how am I going to have to even further lay down my life for my family. And so this is a real, it's a real thing for me and I know many of you as well. So we're in the trenches together and um, I hope we can just spur each other on to love and good works in Christ Jesus through our little Instagram community that we have going on over at HaleyWilliams.Kindled and through DMs and however else you want to reach out. I would just remind you, if you love Kindled and are listening every week, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It only takes about a minute and you just have to click a star rating and leave some words and click submit. So next week, I'm going to be chatting with Andrea Burke. And this is an episode that I've actually been dying to share with you for a couple months because we recorded earlier this summer and Andrea shares her story of infidelity and redemption. So definitely don't miss next week. And until then, I will hopefully get to connect with you over on Instagram. And yeah, I hope you guys have a great week. Bye.